I remember when I was first ordained a priest and for the first time in my life had a bit of an income, one of the first things that I did was go and get a car. Now, it's kind of a tool for being a priest, especially in the Diocese of Charlotte, where we're spread out all over God's good creation, and you got to be in your car half the time. And I just remember going to look for that car, and my mom and I ended up at a dealership in Huntersville, a Volkswagen dealership, and I made my decision on a Jetta diesel engine because you could drive that thing forever. Like it went, I think it was like between 650 to 800 miles between Phillips, which was incredible. And then not that much longer later, my brother kind of needed to do some switching around. He got the Jetta and I went and got a Passat. That one could go like a thousand miles and you didn't have to go get an oil change. Oil change sort of like every 10,000 miles. I love that because I don't like stopping. It's just great when you can keep going all the time. You don't have to stop and go to the gas station. You don't have to go to the dealership. Just want to keep moving and moving as often as I can. And just as an aside, that's what makes traveling with Father Rossi excruciating for me. I want to go. I want to get there. And I remember when we were in seminary, like I, I would go from Charlotte to Columbus, no stopping. Father Rossi wants to stop like every 20 minutes. Like, oh, let's look at the trees. No, we're going. We got to get this done. I like to keep moving all the time. Well, it was too good to be true with the diesel engine from Volkswagen. You can look back a few years back. They were lying about the emissions. They recalled those cars. Now I'm in a Mazda. But the problem is, is that now I can't go a thousand miles between Phillips. It's only like 360 and it drives me nuts. But... I think it's a good principle to remember. In the same way it was too good to be true with the Jetta, it's too good to be true in basically most aspects of our life, right? I mean, you see the infomercials where they try to sell you on set it and forget it. There's very few things in our life that actually work that way, especially our relationships. I mean, if I were to say to my mom, For goodness sakes, mom, give it a break. I told you I love you on Mother's Day. I'll say it again in May. You know, like if I were to do that, of course, I'd be a horrible, horrible person, right? Like it's not a good way to live in relationship, right? And even if I were to say to her, I just said hi to you last Sunday. Give me a break. I'll say it next Sunday. That's not good, all right? And I think we know that internally. We know that that's the case. And it's especially the case in our relationship with our Lord, And thanks be to God, in that regard, the church gives us a great gift that we're going to receive on Wednesday. Now, as I say this is a great gift, it sounds like an oxymoron, the great gift of Lent. Now, I know, if you're like me, part of you kind of internally cringes a little bit at that, because, like Wednesday, I think it's the hardest day of the year for us priests. I mean, we are going to be going from before the sun rises until late at night, and, this, and it's right up there with Christmas and Easter. Everybody comes on Ash Wednesday. It's a busy day. And then at the end of it all, we get to get down to fasting. You know, it's not like I can go home and have like a big dinner and have a drink. Nope, get home and start not eating. You know, it sounds like ah, it's tough. It's a hard thing. But basically when you get to Lent, it's sort of like me in the darn car, right? I don't like to stop. I just want to keep going But Lent forces us to slow down, to focus on what's most important. And the church gives us three big spiritual practices to help us with what is most fundamental. We get prayer, we get fasting, we get almsgiving. 
When you stop and think about what prayer is, that beautiful basic definition, raising our hearts and our minds to God. I think it was St. John Vianney who gave us that beautiful Latin phrase, cor ad cor loquitur, heart speaking to heart. And that's what our Lord wants. He wants us to be in relationship with him. Now I will tell you, because someone I think kind of misunderstood me at the last mass, and she said, Father, I like reverent prayer. It's like, well, I hope you see, so do I. Come to mass, pray the rosary. These are very important things. We should be here as often as we can. But I would say one thing to remember is that is not our only time in prayer, or at least it shouldn't be. Now, I know there are times at Mass where we get distracted, right? I hear about it in the confessional all the time. My father just having a hard time paying attention. Okay, you're not a robot. It's all right. Like, our minds get distracted, especially when the homily goes from Volkswagens to Rossi, right? It's kind of tough to stay focused. I get it. When it's at Mass and we're here, we're focused, we're praying, okay, gently bring yourself back. But at other times of the day, make time to talk to our Lord. Yes, pray the rosary, but bring in the mystery of your own life. If you are distracted by the difficulties that are going on at home, at work, with your friends, all these different things, talk to him about it. It's not a distraction. When it's something that is giving you anxiety, bring it to him. It's a time to grow in our relationship with him. Prayer is an incredible gift that we have. Because he wants to spend time with us, spend time with him. And that's really what prayer is. Set aside some time during the day, and Lent is a wonderful time to slow down and do just that. And the second one we move into is fasting. And it's like, okay, yes, once again, it's hard to do it. I know that as we look at fasting, it's like, hooray, it's finally that time of year. In fact, on Michael Becker and my catechism show on, on Thursday, he, he put out a challenge that I don't think he thought that I was going to accept, but I did. He said, for Len, I'll tell you what, only cold showers on Friday. I'm like, yeah, heck yeah, let's do it, right? Okay, here's the thing. I like a good warm shower. I'm not excited about the cold water. But when we look at fasting... It's like, Lord, I want to show you that I love you. I want to make this sacrifice. And once again, in any of our relationships, love involves sacrifice. It's easiest, I think, to point to parents with newborns because it's out of love that mom and dad get up at two in the morning when the baby's crying, right? It's not like, son, I love you, but I love sleep more, so stay in there with that dirty diaper. I don't care if you're hungry. Like, no, that's not showing love, right? You make the sacrifice. I'm assuming most, you know, parents of newborns are not like, hooray, 2 a.m., on my way in there, right? But out of love, they do it. And as kids grow up, those sacrifices continue. They may look different, but we do that, right? We make sacrifices to the people that we love. A friend who's having a hard time gives us a call when we're in the midst of things, but... We sacrifice, we make the time, we listen, we go to people's events, we spend time with them, we do things for them out of love. When we get into relationships with people, it's not like, hey, I'll be your friend, what are you going to do for me? That's not friendship, right? That's not the way this works. We make sacrifices for those whom we love, and when you look at the fasting of Lent, it's a very similar thing. Like telling our Lord, Lord, I love you a lot. And here's this you know, thing in my life I've got. I can set this to the side. I want to make sure that this isn't taking too much of my attention and time. You know, to show you I love you so much 
that I love you more than my nightcap at night, right? I like it. It's a good part of my day. It's kind of like my dessert, right? I look forward to it, but okay, herbal tea for the next 40 days. And it's not to say, like, look at me. I can give up candy for 40 days. It's not a white knuckling event, right? It's to say, Lord, I love you. And I love you more than Snickers, right? It sounds kind of silly almost, but can you say it? And the beautiful thing about fasting too, it's kind of like a fire drill. It's you're practicing. You're telling yourself no when you don't have to, so you can tell yourself no when you do have to. Basically, if you cannot tell yourself no about the Snickers bar, how can you tell yourself no when there's this opportunity to throw in some gossip, to jump in there and say this thing you know that you've got to say, but you shouldn't. And so you can tell yourself no because you've been practicing and you're doing it out of love. And finally, when we look at almsgiving, you know, basically it's like the more we grow in relationship with someone, we love the people around them. Our Lord told us, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Love our, the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus told us, I came, you know, so that you may not no longer be slaves, but I call you friends. Friends with our Lord. And so we're called to be friends with one another, to love them, to do things for them. And the beautiful thing about that is the more we get out of ourselves, the more we strive to grow in charity, quite frankly, the happier we are. As we give up the Snickers, the nightcap, all these different things, some money should be there. Well, instead of just, well, I can spend more when it comes to Easter time. No, we should be able to share that with other people. And the more that we slow down and take this time, the more that we're going to start to see that wooden beam in our own eye, the one that our Lord is talking about in the gospel today. He wants that to be out from us because it hurts ourselves, right? It hurts us when we have the wooden beam in our eye. I'll tell you once again, back to the wonderful car analogy, one of my favorite moments in all of Simpsons history is there's this one scene, I forget the episode, but Homer and Lisa are out driving, right? And Lisa says, Dad, the check engine light is on. He goes, oh my goodness. And he reaches down and picks up a piece of black electrical tape and covers it back up. And he says, whew, that was a close one. Now, we can do that kind of stuff in our own lives all the time, right? Like, we get these little warning lights that pop up. As we know, Jesus ends the gospel today with, you know, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. How am I talking? Have I been more sarcastic lately? Am I being kind of snippy with the people that I love? What's going on in my mind? Am I spending more time on lustful thoughts? Am I getting really greedy and paying attention to all these things I don't have? Like, what are the warning lights that are there? Well, don't just cover it up with electrical tape. We take the time during this season to look at that, to pay attention to the warning lights, to say, Lord, I need help. What's lacking in me that you will fill up that I can take care of this wooden beam in my eye, that I can have this out and be closer to you? During this time of year, we have this opportunity to grow closer to the one who has come to us. 
And what we've had in the gospel the last three weeks are Luke's Sermon on the Plain. So in Matthew, we get the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5 to 7. Luke, it's just a section of chapter 6. It's not a really long teaching section. But at the end of it, what comes right after the gospel today is very similar to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. I want to share it with you. This is Luke 6, 46 to 49. This is the way Jesus concludes his big sermon. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation upon a rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But he who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation against which the stream broke, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And there's the thing. We have this time of year to slow down to make sure that we are listening to him, that we are spending time with him, that we're making the sacrifices that make that time more possible, putting other things aside so we can be with him, that we're growing in his love and putting it into practice as we give alms, that we're building our lives on the solid foundation of love with him. And that's going about the work of removing the beam from our eye. Because the thing is, we know there's always going to be storms. The stream is going to be breaking against the house. There's always things in the world to draw our attention away. We got to pray for Ukraine. We're going to in a minute in the petitions. We got to pray for the Senate. They're voting on a crazy bill tomorrow about more abortion license. There's always things going on around us. However, We can't give what we don't have. We are called to be disciples of Christ. He loves us. He wants to be rooted in that foundation of his love all the time. And so when we take this gift of Lent, we spend it with him, when we make sure our lives are rooted in that foundation, then no matter what may come, we're going to stand. We'll be fine. Then we can set about the good work of removing the splinters of everyone else's eye. It's so much easier to cover things up in our lives or to point out everybody else's splinters. My brothers and sisters in Christ, don't fall into that trap. Take advantage of the gift that we have that begins on Wednesday. Spend the time with our Lord. Ask him for that grace to be rooted in that foundation. And then, what do we have to fear? Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.